Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Jabot Podcast. My name is Catherine Rubino. I'm your host and a senior editor at Above the Law. With Practicing Law Institute Securities Law Programs, you'll stay in the know about the latest issues while earning CLE credit, from special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs, to ESG considerations, to hot topics within the enforcement realm, PLI has you covered with timely live and on-demand programs and webcasts. Visit pli.edu to find securities law programs that work for your schedule. On today's episode of The Jabot, I'm joined by Francelina Perdomo, partner at Galette, Dreyer, and Berkey. Welcome to the podcast, Fran. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so so excited to have you here. Um, as regular listeners know, um, I have a typical first question, um, and it's a legal podcast. I think it's a great way to get, kind of start the conversation uh, for, for lawyers. But uh, why did you decide to go to law school in the first place? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Well, um, I was very feisty when I was was in school. And at 13, I decided to fight for everyone in my classroom. And there was, every time there was a dispute, they always call me in. And um, so I didn't know at that time that my dad always wanted to be a lawyer. And he said, you know, I didn't have the money to be a lawyer. So I became an economist and I'm like, well, that's a little boring. And he's like, but you can do it. You can do whatever you want. And I'm like, okay. So at that moment, when I was 13 years old, I decided that I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted, I I found it extremely motivating. And I was very passionate about arguing my points and oftentimes winning them. So I felt (laughs) drawn, drawn to the law at a very, very early age. How do you find your actual practice compares to this kind of idealized image you had of what a lawyer was going to do uh, back when you were a kid? Um, I think that I, I've been very lucky um, because, you know, when I fantasized about being a lawyer, I always remember like getting out of a subway station, even though I was in Dominican Republic and I never knew for a fact, of course, that I was going to come to New York, but I was infatuated with New York from, from the very beginning, from the first time I came. And I, I imagined myself getting out of the subway station with a briefcase, you know, and like that raincoat and all that. So that was the first <laughs> so you thing. you looked the really part actually, in your head. <laughs> right. That was actually the first thing that happened. Then, you know, now we're much more casual in the practice, you know, thankfully, because, you know, I don't know if I would like to wear a suit again. <laughs> but, um, but that was like what I visualized and that happened to me. And I remember being like, whoa, I made it. Right. That was mm-hmm. the first thing. And then when I decided to go into intellectual property, which has always been my passion, um, I, I found that it was very similar to the way that I you know, envisioned practicing IP when I was in college. Um, so, you know, fighting for uh, people's rights, for creative rights, it's, it's always been a passion because I've always been extremely into music and the arts. But I've never, for example, in my family, um, my brothers and my dad, they all play instruments. I, I could never do it. <laughs> but, um, you know, so but I was always very, you know, very intrigued by it and, and, and always wanted to learn. So I'm like, how can I make it work? Like, how can I uh, practice law and still be involved in the music and the arts? And that was, you know, that was the way it happened. And uh, so far, so good. <laughs> so, so it was your passion for music that led you to your practice area? Yes, for sure. Uh, music and arts. That was, uh, that was my, uh, yeah, that was, that was the, the cornerstone of everything. So, um, yeah. 
and, and your partner um, at, at the firm, as, as we kind of said in the intro. And I feel like so often in the legal profession, people just say, well, once I make partner, that's the, that's the brass ring that people are really striving for uh, in the profession so often. Can you talk a little bit about the kind of twists and turns that your career took um, and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So first of all, <laughs> um, when you make partner, it's not, you know, when you make it actually. <laughs> I mean, when you make partner, it's actually where when the real work starts because you know you have to be able to teach others what you've learned as an associate and then also be a rainmaker try to bring clients make sure that they stay with the firm that they you know actually give you other cases so that you can also uh, be able to to bring other cases to the firm too and get that client uh you know do a little bit of client relations right mm -hmm. so so that's the first thing making a partner I think, yes, of course, it's a huge recognition, it's an honor, um, but it's where the, where the actual real work starts, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, to answer the question about how I, you know, how everything, you know, how I got here, I, you know, I was in New York taking the bar back in the early 2000s, and um, uh, I got an offer to, to, you know, to become an associate in a firm that needed actually an international lawyer, a lawyer that knew uh, international law that had exactly my background. And I got really lucky. And so they waited for me to pass the bar. I, wouldn't, I was an associate there. I did international uh, mediation with them. Um, I did aviation as well, maritime law. It was very interesting. And I, I spent mm -hmm. most of my career with them. Then after that, I was, I was hired as off counsel to a firm that had a really interesting case, um, also involving international law and international witnesses and experts. So I was perfect for the part. And then after that, that that's when I started uh, meeting people in the industry um, mm -hmm. you know, through that opportunity. And one of those contacts just told me, well, why don't you go on your own? You know, why don't you start your own thing? Because it seems to me that all you want to focus on is on IP. Because I was mm -hmm. doing international banking, arbitration, all these things were really cool, but it was not solely IP. Right. So I said, you know what, maybe. So this client actually had a lot of work for me. And they told me, you know, why don't you go, you know, we'll make sure that you'll have work. So I was also, again, very lucky to have that opportunity because I was able to, you know, negotiate and draft agreements with heavy weights on the other side mm -hmm. while getting paid for it. I mean, it was wonderful. And my, my, you know, my practice started growing and other opportunities came until, you know, I, find, I found this opportunity, but I was no longer looking for opportunities. Opportunities mm -hmm. were looking for me. Right. But I worked really hard. I had a lot of disappointments. I was on my own for 11 years. Um, and, uh, but it was great. I mean, it was, you know, ups and downs, of course, but I learned a lot. And I learned so much um, that, you know, my learning experience being a solo, it's what makes me, I think, a better partner. Because mm -hmm. I understand that everybody has a place, that everybody has an expertise. And I, I, I appreciate that. And I respect that in everyone. And I think that's crucial because right. as a partner, you are also a leader, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's in a nutshell. I don't know if that was a little too long. But. No, no, not at all. Um, I also think it's really interesting um, the way that you kind of 
focused your practice area, you know, kind of not, not immediately out of the gate when you, when you kind of graduated law school and you took the bar and you passed the bar, you know, it took some time for you to really focus in on the part, the kind of law that you wanted to practice. What was it about AP, IP law? I mean, we talked a little bit about your passion for, for music and the arts, but it, you know, some, sometimes when you're practicing law, the image of what a particular practice area will do is very different than the experience of it. So what was it about the practice of IP law that was attractive for you? The clients. Mm. In all honesty, the clients. The clients are, for the most part, extremely interesting and fun people. Yes, you get a lot of attitudes as well, and um, a lot of crying, a lot of hand holding. But that's part of the law too. I mean, you do yeah. you have to do hand holding in your commercial litigation cases. I mean, they call them well. they call they call lawyers counselor for a reason, right? <laughs> right. No. No. Yes. And uh, and when you're when you are representing creators, they're much more vulnerable, mm. and um, especially when they feel threatened and when they feel that their work and their passion and everything that they've been building, you know, it's subject to, you know, be taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So, so that makes me, that makes me love it even more because I'm the first one, you know, I love creating the strategy for them. I love trying to say, or, I mean, not trying to say, I love um, telling them, you know, this is the way to go, or let's try to do this so that we can avoid spending too much time fighting for this because what happens with creators is even I do litigation. I don't love litigation that why can we all just get along? Right. <sighs> I mean, that's, that's my, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's what I think, but you know, un unfortunately, I say, unfortunately, you know, in this country, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of it. And my creators, you know, there's nothing more uh, difficult than being involved in a litigation, in a litigation for somebody mm -hmm. that's vulnerable. So creating strategies to try to get them out of that situation sooner rather than later, it's, it's what brings me the most joy. Obviously, there's a downside. Sometimes you can't control what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that also breaks me, you know, even though I try to be tough for them, it breaks me because sometimes, you know, the opponent it might not be the greatest person on earth or, you know, they have other strategies and, uh, they have a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. And not my client, you know, doesn't have that amount of funds to be able to fight forever. And it's hard sometimes, you know, that's why litigation is so difficult because you can't really control the outcome. So that that is the only portion that really breaks me when I can't really get them um, what they want mm -hmm. as soon as they want it, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, and as much as I, that's why I really love transactional work. Mm -hmm. Because you can control the outcome, right? And if you have really well-written agreement, then that makes litigation easier too. Mm -hmm. sure. So I think like one of like my favorite ways to approach transactional is to say, hey, there's nothing better than having a litigator write up your contract. Right. I mean, <laughs> we know exactly the pitfalls. <laughs> Hello. I mean, so, so, and so, and, and my career has been mostly in litigation. That's something incredibly strange. I, as much as I try to pull away from it, it keeps finding. <laughs> so now, now I'm like, you know what, let's just do it. And, you know, do the, you know, try to bring in my counselor as much as I can in the strategy, in the formulation of the strategy, 
in the roadmap, right? And all that, and just try to make it short and sweet as opposed to long and painful. But, um, <laughs> that's not that's not always what we what we can achieve, but we we we, we try. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It seems like your practice, uh, Ari, kind of talked about this, but as an IP attorney, you're very much straddling litigation and corporate transactional work, which a lot of folks conceive of, at least, as this great divide between the two. Can you walk us through kind of a, a day in the life of, of your work as an IP attorney and how you kind of balance those, those roles? Um, well, I do, like you said, you say corporate. I, I don't do a lot of corporate anymore. I do a lot of IP transactional work, licensing agreements, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. producer contracts for music, for uh, book publishing, um, for publishers and for authors. But a day, a day in the life could be, you know, okay, this today I'm going to focus on writing, you know, like, for example, I have a case that it was going to be a litigation and now we decided to go into an exclusive license. So I can start writing that contract and then something happens in one of my litigations and then I have to, you know, amend a document and include additional information. So I might be pulled away from doing my, you know, my contracts into negotiating or discussing with the client what documents that we need to produce and whether or not we need to produce them sooner rather than later or if, for example, we took a deposition and the transcript came in, you know, we want to read it and we, have, we want to have a meeting and discuss, mm-hmm. you know, what follow-up documents we want. So the day is very unpredictable. I always write down, like when I'm coming to work and I'm on the train, I always write down what my main objectives are. Okay. But because I'm also, because I'm also a litigator, um, things can turn quickly, like today right? Today, when we started, before we start, I told you, oh, you know, like today started a little bit different than what I expected. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, we had an issue last night that came in that, you know, in one of the cases, and we, we have a deposition next week that we have to address. Right. So my writing was full into the afternoon. So I had to decide what we were going to do with this particular case all morning mm-hmm. and then write a letter right after I get off this interview and, and deal with it. Right. right. And so, so, I mean, I don't know if that was, you feel free to ask me any follow-up no. questions, but that's pretty much, I mean, I know it sounds hectic, but it, it just, it's the truth. I mean, you never know what's going to come in. Yeah. Uh, we, I think we all try uh, in, in, in this, in this business to be as organized as possible. Um, and at the end of the day, the best thing that you can expect is to be able to hit at least three to five of those goals, (laughs) but you know, but if not, you know, there's always a next day, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, 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 it's difficult. There's some people that I I always say the people that, that only do litigation that have it a little, you know, even, even harder because everything is mostly unexpected, but I think every, every, everybody has pretty much the same type of issues with, yeah. uh, you know, with a word that can come in. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that that balancing act between all of the sort of matters, any number of which might be on fire at, at a given moment, uh, yes. is always, it's always a challenge. And plus there's the whole, you know, rest of your life, <laughs> you know, beside outside of just, just work that I'm sure you're also, uh, busy balancing as well. And especially, you know, with the pandemic, everything kind of was, was thrown into turmoil. 
Um, what were there any like tips or tricks that you used, particularly during this really tumultuous time to kind of keep not just your work life, but the entire, you know, your entire personhood in balance? Yes, scheduling. So for example, and that, that's actually a really, really great question. I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about that a couple of days ago because um, I, I, I ran into a mom I hadn't seen in a while. And she was like, oh, I forgot how, how difficult it is to wake up early, you know, and bring the kids to school. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then I said to her, you know, you want to forget how difficult it was to have them all? And she's like, and we started laughing. So mm-hmm. what, I, what we did in, in our house was, you know, pretty much create the illusion that, you know, everybody was going to go to work, was going to work. And, you know, uh, my son was going to school. So mm-hmm. that helped a lot. And, uh, and thankfully, you know, we had a little pod uh, and we had a tutor. We, I, we were very lucky. We had a, you know, we had somebody that, you know, taught our son with other kids in, 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 our, in our place. And that helped me a lot because while he was, you know, he was with the tutor, I was able to lock my door and just be a lawyer, right? In this really tiny room. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it was not fun, but we did it. Right. And, and also my husband played a huge role too, helping out and trying to make sure that um, there was a balance too. I mean, at five, five thirty, I broke, you know, uh, for the day and uh, well, I didn't break, I didn't wake up crying. I wanted to some days, of course, we all did, but you know, it was, it was done for the day. And then it was time to, you know, to hang out with our son and just, you know, to make dinner. So we made sure that, we, there, there was an illusion that mm-hmm. everybody had things to do. Um, of course, this didn't come immediately, but, <laughs> but, but I think that that really helped us not to lose it. Although it, it was like, for example, I had a mediation right in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, well, not in the middle, when it was really, when we really didn't know anything, like right. back in, I believe, April or may or something like that everything was very scary (laughs) yeah everything was very scary this mediation was going forward and um and it was with a magistrate judge in federal court and these Mm -hmm. you know magistrates are like you know they're very strict sure and it was it was tough it was very tough um he got upset every time my dog was barked or you know (laughs) and it was not it was not video it was just a conference call but Mm -hmm. you know of course and I had the random knocking on the door mom mommy and it was a disaster but we you know we made it through uh that was I think the most challenging moment because you know for some reason this magistrate wanted us to 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 be in court somewhat right but we weren't right we were in the house and um and we were all in there including Mm -hmm. the dog so that was that was very challenging and uh and it was successful. So that was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I can't think about that. I mean, I, I'm hoping that fingers crossed, you know, we will just move forward yeah. and not have to go, go, go through that again, because for Absolutely. a working mom, my son is seven. So you can imagine it's not Yeah, fun. it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. 
we're kind of uh, ramp running down on um, our allotted time here. But before we go, I, I kind of want to ask you, it's a, it's a bigger question. So I'll give you, hopefully give you some time to, to, to delve into it. But, you know, you've obviously had a successful career, um, but both the successes and failures, I think probably have valuable lessons in them. Can you talk about the sort of highs and lows of your career and what you think you've gotten from those? Sure. I mean, I, I, I don't like the word failure, not that they're, you know, they're not failures, but I, I think that, you know, I don't like to dwell on that word too much because, you know, uh, we always beat ourselves up, especially mm-hmm. professional women. We want to do everything. Sure. Hey, we're not Wonder Woman. So, um, but, you know, I think that um, the successes, it, it, I think they're, they're in every day, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I know it might sound corny, but it's really not. Like when, we, I have successes, um, everyday successes that make me feel so charged and powerful. Like for example, when I'm able to call a client to say, your case is settled, you know, here's back, here's your IP bag. You won't have to worry about this ever again. Or when I figure something out for a client, this is the way we're going to go. This is the smoking gun. And I mm-hmm. feel their relief and I feel that connection. I feel that connection with a client, with my associates that work really hard. We have a beautiful team here. Like they're very smart and, and, um, and you know, and, and they have a lot of passion for the law too. So that, uh, that also helps me and I feel successful every time I have those interactions. Um, and the failures are, you know, unfortunately they have to do a lot with, you know, how opposing counsel sometimes treat us as women, right? Mm. Uh, the other day, I had a really, really tough experience, and uh, and it made me feel really bad. I would like to use a curse word, but I won't. It's Obviously. okay. We're we're very comfortable with the explicit tag here on this podcast, so you can feel well, free but, at your at your discretion. <laughs> yeah, no, but it was insane. And um, you know, he wrote a letter, and I said, you know, you're making us look. I think I meant I said something like like assholes, or you're making us look like mm-hmm. twits, or something like that. I don't know. And he's like, well. Uh, Fran, you should probably look yourself in the mirror. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> very nice. And and like there was, we were not fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, we we we'd been working in this case for a long time, but he just felt the need. I he's, you know, particular. And <laughs> and I knew that, and I knew that, but I never expected that. And then after it came out, he's like, well, that was a little harsh. And he said, oh, and I'm wow. like, indeed, indeed. That's- and of course that. That broke me. And, yeah. and it, this is not, I know, you know, it's not the first, right? And mm-hmm. I know it's not going to be the last. I see this type of behavior with women all the time. Mm-hmm. When women are advocating, when women send bills, when women, it, but what am I going to do? I'm going to sit in a corner and, and cry about it. No, it's making me tougher every time. And, and it, makes, it, it makes me more comfortable to speak up and uh, to put people in their place. Uh, another, another low is one time I had to fire a client. Mm. Um, I'm sure lots of lawyers had to do it and they say, whoa, only one time? Yeah, <laughs> only one time uh, so far, you know, but because they were being disrespectful. So always, you know, it was a company, men, mm-hmm. and they were being disrespectful. Every time we spoke, every time, you know, I had something to say, um, I didn't feel valued. So you know, thankfully I had my own gig and I could say, Hey, thank you. See you later. Thanks, but no thanks. Not worth it. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Not worth it at all. And, um, and so 
definitely those little instances, they make you, and, and you know what, what clients don't know, and uh, because clients do these things to us too sometimes, is that when they put us down like that, you know, the passion goes away little by little. They mm -hmm. are sabotaging themselves pretty much and they don't get it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's their fault, but it's just so unfortunate that they don't see how much, for some reason, people don't like lawyers, but I'm yeah. saying like, you know, doctors don't get the same treatment yeah. and we do, we, our work is as complicated mm -hmm. and I don't know why we have so bad rep. I mean, not everybody's the same, but, no, no. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? I yeah. mean, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. And I feel like women are punching bags in this industry sometimes, but you know what? They're not going to be, they're not going to put us down. I mean, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to win. Put it that yeah. way. They're going to continue to put us down, but we're going well, to continue to fight. That's also such a great message that I think that what you're talking about is, is really important is that I think oftentimes, um, folks are, are used to kind of taking the abuse or the disrespect and being a, having the sort of autonomy to say, no, that's not okay. And if, if we lose a client, if I, if I, you know, fire a client, so be it, but that respect is worth it. And, you know, it's, there's, there are sometimes there are things that are more important than just the number of clients or billable hours or, or that kind right. of thing. And, and I, I feel very lucky because here at Gala Dryer, I feel very supported. Like, they, they, they are, like I said, it's a great team. They, they always say like, let me know if anybody does anything, <laughs> like, we'll definitely come after them. And it's great because it is a very healthy work environment. That's why I feel that I can do uh, my trade and I can do my work and, you know, they will understand because they would, they want me to mm -hmm. stand up for myself, you know? Right. And I think that's very hard to find. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in a good place. Um, yeah. which, which, you know, it makes it more bearable when yeah, they do things for like sure. that. For sure. when I was on my own, I was like, oh, now what? But now I can go talk to these guys and be like, and they're like, ah, he's, he's, he's the one at fault, or, you know, not, yeah. not you. So, yeah. so that's, that's great too. Oh, that's great. It's a great message. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, it was a really great conversation. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. And thanks to our sponsor, PLI. Uh, remember to subscribe to the Jabot podcast on your podcast listening service of choice and give us a rating, not just the stars, though obviously we'll take them, but written reviews help us move up the algorithm and help other people find us as a legal podcast. You can read Above the Law and you can find Twitter at Catherine One, that's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, then the numeral one. If you have suggestions for topics or guests that you'd like to see on the Jabot, you can email us. It's tips at above the law.com, subject line, the Jabot. Thanks again and happy listening.